do you want to play a game? Yeah, I was just going to actually... And I'm not Jigsaw from Saw. I was going to ask... I'm <laughs> genuinely asking if you want to play like, you gotta an actual laugh game. You've got to laugh at You're not going to wake up chained to a pipe. <laughs> you don't know what I'm into. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, maybe, or maybe you'd appreciate <laughs> Look out, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. To another episode. Of the Polly Podcast. <laughs> I'm Siobhan and this is Richard and we're... No, we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes though, doesn't it? Yeah, sometimes it does. Um, right, first things first. First things it's first. It's my birthday. No, it's not. It was. It was. This is the episode closest to my birthday. Yeah. So I'm just saying it now. It's important. Okay. Happy anyway, birthday. Thanks. I'm 30. Thanks. If you'd like to support Richard <laughs> and me and also this if show. If you'd like to support Richard's, uh, Richard's uh, therapy um, <laughs> to get over turning 30. My <laughs> 20s are over. <laughs> anyway, okay. I don't care. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe to us where you listen to your podcast. You can leave us a five-star rating and you can write us a review. Uh, you can also follow us on the old Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and YouTube at uh, Polly underscore podcast. You can also email us, podcastofpolly at gmail.com and visit our website, the-polly-podcast.captivate.fm. Yay, now Yay. that's out of the way. Uh, some great news on Valentine's Day, which was the day before my birthday. Mm. Now everyone knows what day my birthday is, so I expect <laughs> presents next year. Send anyway. some, some emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some exciting news actually on yes. the 14th, which we want to quickly discuss. I'm reading from a Instagram post from openlove.org, the, um, the organization for polyamory and ethical non-monogamy, which we had Brett on our show and also um, Heath. Heath Sheshinger, who is also involved in that organization. Mm -hmm. We've also got some exciting guests coming up that are involved yes. with Open, so stay tuned for that. We plan to go through the entire organization. <laughs> yeah, we basically, one one. when we plan these episodes, we just go on their website and pick someone and email them. <laughs> That's what we've been doing this whole time. It's no going to become the Open Poly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to just read from their post because they do a really good job of summarizing it. Yeah, pretty much. Berkeley and Oakland in California just became the first cities on the West Coast of the United States of America to propose non-discrimination protections for diverse family and relationship structures. Yay! Yay. <laughs> but these bills haven't been passed yet. We need to take action to ensure that these protections get adopted. Berkeley and Oakland residents, contact your city council members to voice your support. And you can also go to the open website to learn more um, and take action. And we'll include that link in our little... Well, in the... In, in the, the show in notes. The, in the cap... The, yes. <laughs> in, the, in, in the bit in down captions, below. <laughs> show notes, descriptions, all everything, all above. Um, and I'll just quickly explain what this is that they've proposed. Mm -hmm. The ordinances prohibit discrimination based on a person's relationship status or family structure, and the protections encompass housing, business establishments, educational establishments, and city and city-supported services. So that's really exciting. The bill ensures that individuals in consensually non-monogamous relationships and non-nuclear families enjoy the same legal protections as any other family or relationship. Because as we know, this is a major issue that people who are non-monogamous face. There's just, there's so much in terms of 
you know, housing or mm. being a parent and, you know, school, like all the structures that we live in, we all know them. The people that listen to this show live them most likely or know someone who lives them. So, uh, you know, you might not be from Berkeley or Oakland. Like we're not, we're not from California. We don't live there. Uh, however, it's a really great precedent to set that if these things do get passed, then other councils and other, you know, legislative bodies around the globe can look at this as an example and yeah. and maybe make those changes as it's well. It's like it may it may be just a local, you know, from our perspectives, it may just look like local, very localised mm -hmm. uh, legislation, but things have to start somewhere. And these are places that people know. Berkeley, everyone's heard of Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Oakland, um, you know, th these are places that everyone's probably heard of. Um, so that that has that holds weight, that holds influence, and hopefully, like let the dominoes fall. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how often do you hear politicians when they're proposing something new? They'll say, particularly in the UK, they always say something like, "Some of these Scandinavian countries have done this, and it's <laughs> done really well, so we're going to copy them." You know, how often does that happen? So not nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they do this in Brussels, so we're going to do this here. This has been proven. It's normally in the context of this has been proven to work in somewhere in Scandinavia, so let's not do it. <laughs> let's not try this thing that's been proven to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah. hopefully that won't be the case here. And uh, we'll, yeah. all, we'll all be protected soon. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's, a, it's really, obviously everyone knows about or probably has heard about Somerville and Cambridge in Massachusetts mm -hmm. that have similar things. Yeah, well, uh, this is it, or right? rules that are in place. That wasn't yeah. that long ago. And already other places, um, yeah, like fair enough in the United States, but still like on the other side of the country mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. are also starting to implement or, or, or attempt to implement um, and pass this new legislation. Absolutely. I think non-monogamy is something that everyone, people are becoming more and more aware of. It's having another wave in terms of people reconsidering their relationship structures and, and thinking, okay, maybe this is something that I am interested in. Maybe you've heard about it. There's shows like ours, lots of brilliant creators and educators out there. It's becoming more and more part of the vernacular, mm. very slowly, but rightly so, part of the vernacular. And it's really great to see that reflected in legislation at whatever level. And it just offers safety and protection. Uh, I think, I mean, it's so obvious to me anyway, like different, like the traditional family structures that is just so out of the realm of, of what a lot of people do. There's mm. everything from blended families to full-on polycules and solo polyamorists and relationship anarchists and everything from in between all of that too. So I think it's high time that this is recognised, not just polyamorous or non-monogamous relationship structures, but other structures that yeah. fall outside of that like just the whole spectrum, it, I feel like it is so so out such a long time coming that this sort of thing needs to happen. It's just particularly exciting for the non-monogamous community because we're included in this non-traditional mm. structure. So, well, I think that's what a lot of a lot of ch you know change, social change uh, that's happening, mm -hmm. you know, in our in our you know within the current sort of. Uh, time period that we're living in yep. the present um a lot a lot of a lot of the a lot of that change is i feel about 
you know, recognition of the spectrum, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. the spectrum of human experience and sort of allowing people to explore that more and be more uh, fluid, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and just recognizing that we, 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 need, we, you know, this boxing in of people and kind of expect expectations to do things a certain way it is inherently damaging, you know, not, not the actual way of doing things itself, but the the expectation to the the sort of almost lack of consent involved you know with mm. with basically being told you need to be a straight person a white person um you need to be in a monogamous relationship etc cetera, etc cetera. you need to be cisgender and so on yeah um because and i think it's all it, it all it's all rolled into the same package really mm-hmm. which i guess is like you know, destroying the patriarchy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ultimately, yeah, I think ultimately that that's a good, it's, 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 we're seeing us move in the right direction. And I think once again, we're stronger together, right? I think we've Absolutely. said this before on the show, you know, queer people, uh, whether you see polyamory as being in, within the queer umbrella, <laughs> I, I certainly do. So yeah, like we're stronger together. And I think this, this, wave of legislation this wave of kind of you know the discourse um that's that's currently out there is um ultimately better for all of us so we should all support each other in 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 our endeavors Mm, yeah agreed i mean i i love that you said that it's like so much about there's nothing wrong with doing things the quote traditional way or the more trodden yeah. path. The problem with it is forcing everybody to do is it. Is when it's the expectation. When it doesn't suit yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that you said that. It's a really great way to uh, to summarize it. Yes. And this all rolls in very nicely to our episode's guest today. Yes. Um, because it's about family and it's about uh, it's about, you know, being raised within a family that has uh, that lives a different way to yeah. most people. Yeah. Uh, polyamorous family, uh-huh. I guess you can say, not as polyamorous couple, but it's polyamorous family. Yeah. And the journey that someone might go on as a child and go into adulthood. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great story. And mm-hmm. it's a, uh, John offers such a well-balanced perspective and we touch on some of the positives and the negatives of learning about polyamory as a child and I just really appreciate how raw they are. So we're really lucky. Yeah. 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 So yeah, John Simons. Shall we shall we dive in? Yes. Three. Let's go talk to them. Two. One. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is a certified life coach who works with people within the gender, sexual, and romantic minority communities. A very warm welcome to the show, John Simons. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. We are buzzing to have you. Um, John reached out to us and offered a really unique sort of experience and perspective that we're really excited to bring to you today. So thank you for getting in touch with us and thank you for sharing a story with us in advance. We're really excited to um, to learn more about all the things, really. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should just keep things simple to start with. Rather than telling the audience any more about you, let's just keep it simple with, uh, <laughs> you know, tell us about who you are and the work you do. 
Uh, so uh, I am John Simons, as I said. Um, I uh, mentioned life coaching. That is uh, what I do. Uh, my focus is on gender, sexual, romantic minorities, which includes the entire LGBTQIA plus spectrum. Uh, it includes all non-monogamy, BDSM, and you know, quote unquote, alternative lifestyles. Yeah, um, I was uh, raised as an Orthodox Jew, um, much less these days. Um, <laughs> my parents divorced when I was 11, and shortly after that, my dad came out as poly, and that was 30 years ago. Wow. Um, so I learned a lot about poly, um, kind of like book smarts, you know, mm -hmm. and then um, fought against being polyamorous myself. And eventually, like, realized, okay, this is who I am and have been happily polyamorous for almost 15 years uh, with my wife and my other partners as well, you know, differing amounts of time. Nice. Yeah, love and, that. And herein lies the reason why you're on our show. You've got this <laughs> unique perspective on things, uh, having grown up with a parent who is polyamorous. So, yeah. as you said, your dad came out as poly after your parents' divorce, is that mm -hmm. correct? And then when yes. you were, so this is when you were about 11 years old, is that right? Yeah, yeah, 11 or 12, yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Like, talk us through the emotions and, and you know, how you were, just how, how it went. So my dad basically kind of sat me and my sibling down and was explaining that he loves us both equally, right? There's no, he doesn't love one child more than the other. Um, and that is also true for him in romantic relationships. Um, and I think I was young enough where it was just like, okay, dad, you do your silly thing. And I didn't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But he was also like over the years very open about his relationships. So I would learn about the different partners he had over the years, including ones he would have at the same time because he's polyamorous. And I think that I did a little bit better with it. I guess they mm -hmm. reacted better or accepted it better than um, my sibling, who is about four years older than me. Mm -hmm. So they were already a teenager in their like mid teens kind of bit. And so like, I think mm -hmm. maybe they were more keyed into the societal expectations of romantic relationships and had a harder time adjusting to that. But as a 11 and 12 year old, if I would, you know, meet a partner his, if they were nice to me, I, you know, they brought me a present or something. I was pretty happy. And I think even at that age, I figured, well, if he's happy, you know, do your thing, dad, you know, you know, it, it, what made it more difficult was the divorce proceedings um, and living with my mom and seeing that uh, and understanding that, my father decided to end that marriage because he couldn't be monogamous. Um, and being around my mom more often and, un you know, understandably it's a very emotional time in her life and it's difficult to keep that bottled up all the time around your kids. Um, and so there were definitely times where she would, I would hear her talking about why polyamory is bad and mm -hmm. this is the reason the relationship is ending. This is why you're, you know, you don't live with your dad anymore, um, which made it a little more difficult to, for me to accept who I was a few years later as I entered, you know, teenagehood and young adulthood. 
because I saw polyamory as this thing that ruins relationships. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think you had a um <clears throat> like a concept of monogamy slash polyamory or like that sort of spectrum, or was that really formed in that time for you? It it was absolutely formed in that time. It was something I didn't know existed, but I also don't think I saw it as something that was bad or negative. It's just I didn't know it was an option until then. And I think that even kids as young as four and five, you hear their parents go, oh, that's their girlfriend or boyfriend, right? Mm. So you hear about monogamy at a very young age. But I don't think I was at a point of, well, monogamy is the right way as opposed to anything else being the wrong way. It was just the way it was. And being exposed to something that was different made me want to learn more. I'm a pretty curious person naturally. And so I like to learn about things. And so being exposed to it at a young age made it so when I was a little bit older, I really wanted to learn more about it. So I would do a lot of reading on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even as young as 14 or 15. Yeah. 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 There's a common theme there, I think, that anyone that, that, like everyone we speak to, when they talk about their early experiences with polyamory or non-monogamy, they're like, they, they go and read about it, you know, <laughs> they just want to learn as yeah. much about it as possible, like it's something that really, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe we've got a lot, just a lot of readers in the polyamorous community, like heavy readers, it's but also maybe like, it's also just, yeah. like you say, it's that curiosity, you're a naturally curious person, I think a lot of I think a lot of people who are non-monogamous or practicing some form of non-monogamy are also just naturally curious people. They want to know what's this, what's this like other option that's out there. Like, you know, and even if they're not naturally kind of polyamorous, if they're not polyamorous by orientation, mm -hmm. then they still really want to find out as much as they can. Yeah. I, I think that when people hear about a different relationship paradigm, that isn't something that society talks about Mm. you want to find out and reading is the best way especially you know now and even in the last 30 years you know the internet exists now so it's much easier to find that information granted it's also easy to find bad information um (laughs) that is that is inaccurate but hopefully people have a good uh, am i allowed to curse on here yeah yeah Okay. Hopefully people have a good hopefully Fuck people yeah. have a good bu- <laughs> hopefully people have a good bullshit meter. Yeah. You know, and, and sense yeah. and um are like my hope is that when people are learning about non-monogamy and polyamory and any kind of non-monogamy that you're reading from multiple sources that way when there's one that says something a bit off and it's not, you know, corroborated elsewhere that you can kind of figure that out as you're going along but i think that's part of the reason people become curious and start reading is because there's no societal information coming to you through osmosis yeah yeah and i think so much about what we learn about relationships does happen via osmosis like you don't even realize it's happening and then something happens in your life whether it's within whatever relationship structure you're in and it challenges that ultimately it's it would be very rare not to have that challenge and like even like Rich's parents are divorced, were divorced when about actually similar age, like when you were at 13. And it's like the same thing about even though like non-monogamy and polyamory was something that was part of you is part of your story. But even having these structures and these marriages break up can be disruptive as it is mm-hmm. because we're taught. Oh, yeah. And as you say, by osmosis that you're supposed to stay together forever. So even when yeah. that happens 
in a way that doesn't involve non-monogamy. Oh yeah. It's challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, I also feel that whenever we talk about breakups and divorces, we talk about them like they're failures and mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily yes. true. In fact, it's rarely ever true. Um, because I mean, like I, I really hate it when people refer to quote unquote failed relationships, relationships that ended at some point yeah, as wasted time. It's like, it's such a shame that you see it that way because like, wh- wh- why is the default that a relationship should, should last forever or has to last forever like you you learn so much from these relationships you you, i agree you you gain so much so many memories even if it ends badly you still hold those memories uh you still you know you've still had a a wealth of experience from that and you should cherish that regardless of you know I, i couldn't agree more i was just talking about this uh over the weekend with somebody and yeah it's the amount that you learn about the world, about yourself, about how you want your future relationships to be, about how you act when you're in a relationship, um, and the experiences don't go away. And like, generally, when you have um, a relationship of any length of time, uh, there's going to be good parts, right? And like, those don't cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, they still happened and they were still good things, even if in the end the relationship wasn't viable anymore for whatever reason. Um, you know, I think that some people, um, and myself included at times, uh, hold on to relationships that just aren't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And like because of that feeling of uh, that fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so when you end a relationship or when someone ends a relationship with you, if it's one of those times where things haven't been great and it's, you know, just you're not compatible anymore for whatever reason, it's really easy to remember that and hold on to that as opposed to going just a little bit further back to like, oh, we went on this adventure and it was really great and I learned this or we did this or, you know, um, I'm proud of myself of how I acted as a good partner in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that end, the end of a relationship means the relationship was a failure, not one bit. No. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, just to, if I could ask you just a little bit more about when your dad did come out to you. I mean, yeah. and as you said, like as a kid, it was like, okay, dad, you're an adult, do your adult thing, fine. Yeah. Were your, as you, I mean, as you kind of grew up slowly, were your like, classmates your peers like aware of this part of your dad's life was it something you discussed not one like, bit they no yeah. no no i didn't tell anybody um because even then i understood that it wasn't my decision to let people know that information about my dad mm. um yeah it's just it wasn't mine to say and it was a little easier because I didn't live with him, so I wasn't around him all the time to talk about him and meeting his girlfriends and us all having dinner together or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think if I was living with him, then it may have been a bit different. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think even at that young age, I just – I understood, like – and he – honestly, I don't remember. He might have said something about, like, hey, mm-hmm. this isn't really public information. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I don't – I legitimately – I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it was one of those things where, 
I didn't have a problem with it because my dad doing his dad stuff. My dad's a, a nerd like me. He's a little bit, uh, you know, he's always been a little bit off center from societal norms, just like me. And so it was just one of those things that he did. But I also, I guess, understood that, like, that wasn't for public knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I always, that's something like we, like, Rich has got a son, so we co-parent and we, mm-hmm. he, he's only eight, so we don't know, he doesn't really know about our relationship structure yet. It's like yeah. not something that we intend to keep a secret from him. But there's always something in the back of my mind about like this balance between trying to explain to him that it's like not the norm, quote, like we're doing something quite different, which, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know we, could, we could unpack that statement for yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. The vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do kind of like the vocabulary. <laughs> But so we want to, we we're not like try to work how, how to explain that to him. But at the same time, we don't want to say things like, "Oh, it's a family secret. Don't tell anyone. It's really shameful." Like, yeah. and trying to find that balance. So he grows up and he's like, "Oh, this is an option, and this is fine, and this is an option, and this is fine." It's like trying to communicate yeah. that is like is kind of challenging. Yeah. Like, did you have any experiences kind of related to that, or even in your work now? Do you sort of? find people like do you have any advice on how maybe people could navigate that well i think that you're right wording is important i think knowing your child is important because there are some kids that like because they're children and adults too but um (laughs) that just can't keep secrets it's just something they are not good at Mm. so i think evaluating and you know your child best and evaluating if that's something that they can keep a secret if that is necessary because mm-hmm. for some people it is absolutely yeah um you know i'm in a very lucky position and privileged position of i can be out mm. um but not everybody can be so yeah i think part of it is, is knowing your child really well um and it, i think as many people in polyamory do anyway while like sex can be a part of relationships it doesn't have to be and kids don't need to really know about that and understand you know i think focusing on i have a lot of love to give mm-hmm. i have love for you i have love for your you know if you have a sibling or i love your mom or dad or aunt or uncle and also love you because love is infinite right and explaining i think that generally not always again people know their kids the best but i think that that is a a, a common successful approach yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's also for me it's not just about knowing like my child knowing who who we are but it's also about making sure like even outside of that outside of any i guess any selfish reason for him knowing i also want him to have informed consent when it comes to his relationship style his relationship dynamic. I don't want him to fall victim to the same thing that we all do, which is monogonormativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like telling him at some point is is an important thing, yeah. regardless of my own orientation mm. when it comes to this. You know? Yeah. Um, I a few years ago, I asked my dad, "So why did you come out?" And Mm. it was really super duper simple. He was just like, I didn't want to lie to my kids. And like, that's a totally valid, awesome reason. Yeah. You know, and like, and, and also that doesn't mean that the people that have to hide this from their children, 
because of whatever reasons are bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. We all have our own different reasons, our own lived experiences, our own, you know, reasons for it. Like, my wife is not out Mm. um, because she can't be in the line of work that she's in. Right. Mm. Right. My, I have a partner, uh, my submissive, who is not out to her kids. Right. And they're a little bit older than your son and, you know, trying to find the right timing and, and all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has their own reasons for being out or not. Yeah, exactly right. It's so true. And it is, it's super complex. So it's like, I'm glad you've touched on that, but it's yes. like not simple. And like, we agree, we're the same as you in terms of having this privilege of being able to be out and like produce a show and be on social media. And yeah. we're really lucky that we yeah. have supportive friends and family, but um, it's not possible for everyone, whether it's work or relationships, family dynamics. And it's like the paramount thing is making sure you're safe in the spaces yes. that you're out in. Um, so I'm really glad you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you actually uh, act sort of actively, well, maybe actively isn't the right word, but you fought the idea of non-monogamy. For oh, a, actively. Actively is absolutely the right word. 100% is the right word. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I even like, remember in, but like, cause you're obviously poly now. Right. So what, what was, yeah. what was that change like for you? Like, did it happen slowly or was it like a sudden realization? Like what, how did it go? Walk us through it, John. It, Walk us through it. Step by step. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start in high school, high school, sweetheart. And then meeting somebody else mm. and finding a connection with somebody else. And it's like, oh, this is bad and wrong. I don't want to end my current relationship. I can't be polyamorous because that ruins relationships, right? As far as I was aware at that time at 14 or 15, mm-hmm. right? It breaks up relationships, right? Um, and so all through my teenage years, I had one serious partner through most of my teenage years. That relationship ended. I had uh, my next relationship after that where we were monogamish, um, where sometimes we wouldn't necessarily have other romantic partners, but we would have other sexual partners, but only together. Um, That ex, um, we were both bisexual, and that ex said, well, you know, we haven't really done anything with women. I want to go and have sex with women. I said, great, me too. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to be the only woman, but you can have sex with men. I said, no, that's, that's just not, doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, so then that relationship ended. Um, and then I got into a monogamous relationship in my early twenties. Um, and eventually from that relationship, I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this anymore. I felt stymied. I, I don't want to say trapped, but something that's really important to me personally is being the most me I can be, right? I need to be myself. And as as close to how I understand myself to be is, is what I am always striving for. Mm. And I realized monogamy was not me. Um, and so I ended that relationship. Um, and that ex said, well, we can bring other women into the bedroom if you want. But it wasn't about that for me it's like yeah that'd be nice don't get me wrong you know i really like group sex but that wasn't what i needed or wanted at the time mm-hmm. um, i needed to be non-monogamous in a different way than that um 
And so I ended that relationship and shortly after met my now wife. And uh, when we met, I said to her, listen, I'm polyamorous. She said, great, I am too. And then we were functionally monogamous for three or four years. Um, we were building our relationship. I didn't, I think part of it was because I knew I could go right. and potentially make other connections. I didn't feel the need to because I wasn't being stopped from doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely and then after, yeah. yeah. And then after those three or four years, I said, okay, I'm ready to date. And um, met, or pretty early on in that, met a partner that I am still with to this day. I was, you know, like a decade ago or so. Um, the only partner I've met through a dating app. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and that was kind of everything went from there. And I've had other partners since. Uh, I, you know, currently I have two other partners. They're both um, BDSM relationships as well. Um, different styles of BDSM. I don't know how much your listeners want to hear about that, so I don't need to go too into it. Um, I mean, you're welcome to go into yeah, it as much so, as you'd like to. Very, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so one of them is um, what is commonly called DDLG, but I prefer the newer term of CGL. Okay. DDLG is uh, daddy dom, little girl. CGL is caregiver little. It's less gendered, which as a non-binary person, I appreciate. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and yet I still am somebody's daddy. Um, and I have a little. So nice. um, yeah, that is very much a caretaker role. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have a submissive who is more uh in service to me so things like taking off my boots or grabbing my coat things like that kind of mm -hmm. more quote-unquote traditional what you think of mm -hmm. in dominance mm -hmm. yeah. yes. um and so yeah my i my, my my wife i have my other partner who's um i've been with for about a decade my little we've been together three four Four years, five years, something like that. I don't know. I lost track. And because, uh, <laughs> like, it doesn't really, it's not, yeah, it's it is not, what it is. Like, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then um, my submissive has been a little over a year now. Nice. It sounds like you've got a really, like, a, a really supportive and, like, loving network around you. And, like, that's all you can really Very hope for, so. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, what's nice is that they offer support in different ways mm -hmm. um which is really really helpful uh as an example i went through a breakup and one of my partners was like i'm really sorry that was really tough um i know you're going through a lot right now i'm here to help you and then another partner was like fuck that cunt she's the <laughs> worst and I, and like i needed both at that time yes you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's like, I mean, I, we always say this sometimes, you can joke where you're like, I've got this thing I need to talk about. Like, which friend do you go to? You know, right. I, are you going to go to the friend that's like, fuck that bitch? Or are you going to go to the friend that's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Do you want to like sit around and like, you know, like get our nails done or read books, you yeah. know? And, and like, that's the same. And we, Rich and I always make this comparison. It's like, we live in this world where apparently it's fine to have one romantic partner that gives you everything but you should have more than one friend because that would be insane how would you get one yeah. friend to meet all your needs yeah, so it's, it's like the same thing right where it's I, like i mean i've managed fine but you know what, um... with one friend <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway. No, Richard also, has at least three friends, I promise. Yeah, I do actually have three friends. Um, they're great. I think especially in the United States, um, even though the United States is hundreds of years old, which is pretty young, um, but still a decent amount of time, um, there's still a lot of the Puritan roots. And, yeah, England. <laughs> um, um, there's still those roots of the, of the Puritans starting this country. And so when people assume sex is happening, it changes everything, which is wild to me. Mm. Because uh, I have sex with a lot of people that I'm not in romantic relationships with at all. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I've always been the type of person that has sex with my friends because it's something fun that we can do. You know, because you're bored. To me, it's like, right. To me, it's like, well, we can have this fun. You know, do you want to go bowling tonight? Do you want to go to a movie? Do you want to have sex? Like, these are like, to me, not that sex can't be important and connective, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All three of those are sex, by the way. What? Bowling, movie. Bowling, movie. (laughs) (laughs) All the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. Just different types. So the work that you do now, like, could you just explain to us a little bit about like how being queer and non-monogamous like led you to the work that you do now? Like, I feel like they're probably quite closely connected, but um, yeah. Yes and no. Okay. So I knew I was queer when I was a teenager. I came out as bisexual. Um, Non-monogamy, you know, was almost 15 years ago at this point. Even though I knew it about myself, I wouldn't admit it, fought Mm -hmm. against it. So we'll say 15, you know, about 15 years ago. Um, but I've always been, uh, many friend groups have this where they have the one friend that everyone goes to when they're struggling. Mm. I was always that person. Um, even to the point of helping my mom with dating advice when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) so I've always had an, I guess, a natural affinity for it. Like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but, like, I seem to be able to help people, and I've always liked helping people. And mm. before I started coaching, I was never super ambitious, right? It's like I just did a job to make money to survive, right? Mm-hmm. I never was worried about or focused on moving up some sort of corporate ladder. I have had very few corporate jobs because it's not really my vibe. I don't thrive in those places. Um, And it really, coaching really came about when one day me and my therapist were talking and he said, you know, you'd be really good at this. And I said, okay, yeah, but you say that to all your clients. And he dead stares me in the face and says, no. I don't. <laughs> and that was the that was the small little spark came from my therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and the reason I focus on you know the uh GSRM communities is cuz those are the communities I'm a part of. Yeah. Right. So I have certain understanding and knowledge and insight that people who aren't don't. And those communities are wildly underserved when people need help. Mhm. Yeah. Yes. Yep, I feel like uh, we uh, we say yeah to uh, we say yep a lot to our uh, guests. Well, I just it's they like always an, say such great things. It's just that's... like I want an enthusiastic <laughs> yes. I'm like yes, I yes. yes. <laughs> they can't see our faces, so I want to make sure that it's very clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, I um, agree. Yeah. Stamp of approval. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just from now on. We'll just go. 
and that's the stamp going down. Um, well, you, unlike most children, uh, not that you're a child now, I mean, unlike you, you were a child once. Depends on the day. Well, you grew up uh, knowing that non-monogamy was an option, which mm-hmm. many people don't. Um, yeah. So what what are some of the positives, do you think, of children being exposed to these quote-unquote alternative relationship structures? And are there any negatives? Because we're an unbiased show, promise. Uh, so <laughs> one of the positives, like there is that saying that, it, you know, it takes a village, right? So when you have more responsible adults around that can help care for you, can help show you love, can help you know like i think that's really good i remember you know as you know a preteen and teenager going to the house of one of my dad's partners and her husband was there and her younger son was there or their younger son was there and they were always so nice to me i remember um we went for the holidays once and like he had partners who I hadn't met before. And like, as a kid, it was nice to meet them, but also they thought enough to get me a gift, even though they hadn't met me before. And it's not about giving me something. It's more about, I was in their minds and they cared enough. And like, Mm -hmm. that's a great feeling, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that having more responsible adults is generally better for child's upbringing overall. You know, of course, there's down, you know, there's downsides to that. I think um, for a kid, it can be a little confusing when being disciplined by someone who isn't your parent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. And so that part was confusing mm. um, and took a little adjusting. It didn't happen too often. Um, my dad didn't have nesting partners until he met my stepmom. But when we would, when I would go and with him to visit partners and their families. Um, and I think that for some kids, if their parents are out publicly, it, you know, it could add to bullying. Um, I, I know for a fact that people can lose custody of their children Mm. due to non-monogamy in this country. And so having to go through that is absolutely a negative for the child. Mm -hmm. Um, just even if they end up with a the parent that they quote unquote want to be with, just having to go through that yeah, yeah. is really difficult. But I think what Absolutely. what's worth noting is those those sort of more negative aspects are caused by externalities rather than by polyamory yeah. itself, right? It's caused by the. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still it's still obviously a very very valid point. Um, it's just I think. Uh, it, uh, it it it's worth sort of acknowledging that that unfortunately the negatives are actually in, uh, caused by mono mon- mononormativity mm. or mononormativity yeah. whatever you want to call it. yeah generally yeah, yeah. yeah. I think mm. you know as a kid the the quote unquote worst part was just like confusing which partner was which you know <laughs> or Yes. You know, I was thankfully not in a position where I there were any partners of my dad's that I met that I didn't like, but I can absolutely see that and have seen that as an issue for 
uh, a child where they're like, well, I don't like this partner and I have to be around them now because they're in a relationship. But I don't think that's necessarily different than monogamy. It's just that there yeah. is uh, more more opportunity for that to happen with more partners. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you said that actually because listening to you talk about all of the challenges and, and some of the negatives, I th- yeah, I just think what you said there is, is absolutely spot on. It's like these things can all happen in monogamy. They do happen yeah. in monogamy. However, absolutely. with non-monogamy, there is more of an opportunity there's more people there's more like a likelihood that these things could occur and i suppose that's where the risk lies right it's like that yeah well, yeah with more interpersonal connections becomes more you know more potential for uh friction yeah absolutely mm-hmm. no those are really some of those negatives i've not actually thought of before that's really eye-opening so thank you for sharing those um really yeah yeah, not actually thought of some of those before so it's really useful yep (laughs) (laughs) and you've said to us before when we previously spoke that a lot of the time people who are against like quote alternative relationship structures or non-monogamy specifically often and, and potentially also against telling children or exposing children to these things usually sexualize them so yeah. how do you think this is true for non-monogamy specifically? So like I was saying earlier with the, the Puritan starts to, to my country, mm. um, people assume that romantic relationships equal sex. Two of my partners I don't have sex with. One is asexual and the other has some medical issues the last like two years we haven't been able to have sex. Wow. Slowly, slowly, hopefully working back towards it because we've enjoyed the sex we've had. Mm-hmm. Um but if I never have sex with them again, that's fine. But it's really interesting because they think, oh, children shouldn't be exposed to this because it's sexual. With polyamory specifically, for most people, the focus is on the romantic side of the relationships. Now, that doesn't mean sex doesn't happen, right? <laughs> but again, romantic relationships aren't a uh, necessity for sex to happen. And I think it's, to me, it's so odd that you can talk about being non-monogamous, especially polyamorous, and someone goes, oh, I don't want to hear about your sex life. Yeah. I I didn't tell you about anything about my sex life. I told you about a nice date I went on with one of my partners. Yeah. We had a very nice meal together. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything about the sex that that we had or didn't. Right. Right? Like. So people are sexualizing things just like, unfortunately, in this country. Um, and I think yours a bit, too. They're sexualizing um, queer folks and trans folks. Yes. Like drag queens. It's like, it's when, like mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's well, like, like, that is just a perfect example of it where it's like, yeah. this has got nothing to do with yeah. sex. Zero to do with sex. And you've decided it. So then you can say that it is indecent. So then you can hide it from the public because you don't want people to know that being queer or being trans is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that um, polyamory, while not the same, to be very clear, um, there is there are some similarities there where people are sexualizing polyamory because they think it's wrong, and so nobody should do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just another uh, instrument of control, yeah. isn't it, really? Um, right. Well, I think. Is there anything? Sorry, just interrupted you completely. (laughs) No, I I was, I was just going to say, 
Um, do you want to play a game? Yeah, I was just going to actually... And I'm not Jigsaw from Saw. I was going to ask... I'm just genuinely asking if you want to play like, you an actual game. You've got to laugh You're not going to wake up chained to a pipe. <laughs> you don't know what I'm into. Um. <laughs> or, or, maybe, or maybe you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Look out, guys. <laughs> if we had a Patreon, it'd be like, in the bonus segment, John's going to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask if there's anything else you wanted to add like that kind of is connected to this conversation um because you know you've told us a lot about your story and um and your your lived experiences and really like just openly and candidly so just if there's anything else you wanted to add as we close out this interview before we play our game yes i think that if you're listening to this because you are new to polyamory or you're just thinking about polyamory um, no, it's, it is okay. It is possible to do well, and it is possible to do um, ethically and morally. Um, and if you are ever struggling, I do recommend reaching out to someone like me. Yeah. Beautifully said. Love it. <laughs> um, I just... Swift, swiftly turning into a gavel. Isn't a thing now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Righto. So... Let's game play a game. Uh, Let's play a game. Long-time listeners of the show will remember PolyQuest. We haven't played that in a while. It has been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. So, you know, people who've listened to us for longer than the last month or two months will remember this one. Yeah. A series of short to medium fire questions that we'll be asking our guest here. All right, Richard, do you want to just take us away? First question. Are you ready? Yeah. I am ready. Are you sure? 72. <laughs> I don't know what the question is. Okay. What is your favorite thing about being non-monogamous? My favorite thing about being non-monogamous that monogamous people can do as well, but often don't, is I get to negotiate my relationship with the other person or people we get to decide together what it is going to look like, how it's going to act, how we want it to feel, um, what commitments we are and are not going to have towards each other. Um, that's my favorite thing about polyamory is I get to, with the other person, basically we do what we, whatever the hell we want, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yep. We haven't had that one before. No, so I, I like that. that. That's great. Um, okay, next question. One piece of advice for non-monogamous folk. Hmm, that's a tough one. One only one piece of advice. Oh, you know what? I have a one piece of advice. Although, again, like a lot of this goes to any relationships. Um, well, yeah, that's fine too. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna fuck up, and that's okay because that's how you learn. Like when I first started, actually like actively being non-monogamous i had more than a decade you know maybe a decade and a half of book smarts and so you would think i would know how not to fuck it up and that is wrong i still fucked it up a lot um so don't kill yourself about that and like that and oh no i thought of another really good one that's also Shit. great advice right. don't kill yourself um <laughs> yeah um, I guess, all right, so I thought of another one that's also really good that I want to say, but you can choose whichever one. Oh, um, I'll just keep them both because uh, they're probably yeah, both they're great. Okay. Probably great. Um, 
Jealousy doesn't mean you're bad at Polly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. One. Yeah. That's something that sometimes I feel like I could, I get a bit caught up in. Mm. Like beat myself up for feeling a certain thing. And it's actually like, yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm bad at doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Your feelings are valid. How you act upon them is the important part. Yeah. You know? But yeah, jealousy doesn't mean you're bad at Polly. Well, I, I always say, talk, say it's, it's the like mm. it's the second thought that counts. You know, your yeah. first thought is geared more in your con- your sort of social conditioning, whereas your second thought is the conscious kind of it's who you really are, um, without without all that conditioning. And I think that's much more important. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's yeah true of that feeling that jealousy. Yeah. So yeah. true. Uh, next question. Okay. What is the worst piece of advice you've heard about non-monogamy? I, well, going going to the to the bat last one, like any really anything that says if you're doing X, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because really, what yeah. it comes down to is your agreements with your partners, and if you're within those agreements, you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. As long as you're not prescribing something, like um, people will talk about like one penis policy and that it's automatically bad. And to me, it's it's um, it's bad if your partner is prescribing that to you and saying that this yeah. is yeah. what it has to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone saying, "Well, I this is what I want." Yeah, totally. And well, we've... I'm saying I only want one penis. I'm fine with that. Like that's what I that's what I'm looking for. So really, it comes down to, yeah, any yeah. anybody that tells you you're doing it wrong when you're when you're still within your relationship agreements, that's bad advice. Yeah. Totally, that's a bad, yeah. yeah. Am I mm-hmm. trying to get you to do it a different way? Well, yeah, we I love that. we talk a lot about the difference between boundaries and rules. 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 And boundaries mm-hmm. are healthy, whereas like really. Like anything that tells your partners what they can and can't do with their body, uh, and their with and their lives and their in, you know in their own experiences is maybe not necessarily completely ethical. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas boundaries, it's like something you do for yourself. Something that, that yeah that to, so yeah. They, that allows you to be comfortable and and that's and that's okay. Yeah, so that's important. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Final question. My favorite one. Yes. Bet you're glad this one is gonna be say, over. Right? So. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you sound really. You guys for another hour. I'm having fun though. I, I love asking these questions. So yeah. hey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. Final question: Describe your non-monogamous experience in three words. Uh, fun. Fulfilling. And glorious. I love those. I was really hoping for a third F there, John. No, but uh, Glorious is such a... <laughs> no, I'm joking. Fan- fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> glorious feels better. I love a bit of alliteration. Glorious, we've never had that word before, and I yeah, love great. that. That is great. such a descriptive word. Like when someone says that, you feel it inside of you, don't yeah. you? Well, it's the feeling of glory, isn't it? You feel glory. I just feel, like, glory. You I feel like you've ha- you are experiencing glory. I just feel like I can see light when someone says that. It's just like it's, you know, like it's just like, yeah. oh, you know. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for playing the game. And Absolutely. for also coming on the show and sharing all of your experiences with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's been 
I've loved it. I've, I've such a thought provoking and just yeah. like really interesting conversation. Like, like I know I'm going to be thinking about this conversation for a couple of days, you yeah. know, like digesting it all. And yeah, it's yeah. just, it's yeah. just been a really great experience based yeah. chat. You know, we talk so much yeah. about theoretical sometimes, and I think it's important to just go back to experiences of people mm-hmm. in this community. So. Yeah. Would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, your yeah. whatever else? My, uh, um, you can find me uh, at my website is GSRM for General Sexual and Romantic Minorities, um, GSRMcoaching.com. That's my website. Uh, that's the best way to kind of find me. Um, a lot of my other advocacy that I do for polyamory and other people in the GSRM um, umbrella is more local. Um, you you know, so that that's, yeah, that's the best way to find me. Perfect. Well, we'll also put that link in our uh, episode description. So, you know, you'll be able to find that as well. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much, John. It's been a dream. Thank you. And um, we'll see you all next time, guys. Bye. Bye.